Good morning. So it is January 22nd. I just want to see how many of you guys had New Year's resolutions, or maybe you didn't call them resolutions. You said goals, theme, maybe you had a one word, right? Like to start your year. I just want to see a show of hands. How many of you guys had that? It's okay. There's no shame, you know, because yeah, I am going to ask, and how's that going? <laughs> um, if you're on social media or on television or looking at print, like my, my feed has been like advertising um, AG, like athletic greens over and over again. It's apparently telling me to eat better. Um, and you're probably being told by different places like, hey, now's a year to go ahead and get your fitness in order. Like go get your Apple watch so that you can go ahead and track your heart rate and, and your steps and all these different things. Or, or maybe for some of you guys, you're like, you know, this is the year you know, this is the year that I'm actually going to get my finances in order, or this is the year where I am going to go ahead and, you know, eat more healthy and meal plan and, and, and be thoughtful about what I eat, or this is the year where I am going to fill in the blank. Right. Um, and, and not only are we thinking that because really the new year creates a chance for us to know, you know, the way that I have been living, the ways that snacking has kind of been sneaking in, you know, or, or the ways that I've been, kind of been living my life. I don't, I know that that's not me thriving and that's not me at my best. That's not me in the way that I was created. So let's change some things. So there's something about that. That's like really good, but of course, as well, society has kind of capitalized on that and said, Oh, you want to change? Well, we have the solution right? You, oh, you want to change? Well, all you need is to sign up for this subscription or all you need is this and that. And I think that we look for ways to heal ourselves, right? We look for ways, Hey, if I have this, it will heal me. If I have this, this will complete me. If I have this, I will be fuller and more complete or more whole as a person. You know, you guys have gotten these balloons, right? And some of us, by the end of the year, we're like this, like that, and like slowly leaking, right? And we're like, well, in January, this is going to be full, right? And then we try these different things, and they're half full, and then they keep leaking. And it's not because there's always a hole. It's just that these things were not meant to fill us all up. Now, we're talking about... Jesus as healer this morning, right? And I don't think it takes long for us to look around or look in ourselves to see, well, I need healing in this. I need healing in that. And we're talking physically, but we're also talking emotionally. We're talking mentally. We're talking, you know, relationally, communally. Um, we're talking about our world, right? Um, and there are many things that we can do on our own effort and ways that we can try and heal ourselves. We have healers who are part of our congregation here. But at the end of the day, Jesus is promised to be the healer, to fulfill us, to complete us, to create fulfillment and wholeness in ways that we are not able to do on our own. So this morning, if you have your Bibles with me, turn with me to Mark 2. We're going to look at... Jesus as healer this morning, verse one through 12. And if you don't have that, we'll have that up on the um, board, uh, board, um, 
yeah, screen for you. And let me just go ahead and read this for us this morning. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, Get up, take your mat and walk. But I, I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. This man, this paralyzed man, he doesn't ever say anything. We see him do something at the end, but we don't hear him say one word, but we can, I would just say, let's go ahead and stand in his shoes for a moment. Can imagine that he's probably been paralyzed his whole life, right? And in this society, but in, even in our society now, it means that you're dependent on your community to do everything, to get food, to get around anywhere, right? You are not able to walk. You're not able to you know, probably in that society have a family because you're not able to um, have income to come in. He's probably tried numerous things to be healed. He's probably gone to different doctors and tried different things, eaten different foods, whatever, to be able to be better. And he's not right. And what we're told here is we actually get a view of his friends, and we know that Capernaum is a small town, is a small community, and they come packing out the house because what they've heard of Jesus is that he is a healer and he is a teacher. And some of them have actually experienced healing from him just the chapter before in Capernaum. And there's others that have heard about him and they knew that he was coming back. So everybody is crowding to go see him. The house is packed. And it says even outside around the windows, the doors, everything it's packed, right? So when the four friends come bringing their paralytic friend to be seen by Jesus, they're like, nope, there's no way we can go inside. There's no space for my friend to go see him right now. And this is the point where I, if I was the friend, I would say, sorry, we tried, but I guess we're too late. I guess we'll have to wait until the next time Jesus comes, or maybe I'll practice my, you know, like the fruits of the spirit of patience and I'll wait outside and I'll have this quiet faith of hoping that maybe when Jesus comes out, he might see us on the side of the road and decide to stop because I'm a person of propriety. I like rules. And this is the thing to do. Well, these friends are not like me, thank God. And they do what my son would call the inappropriate thing, right? They climb up on the roof, which by the way, 
to carry a man on a mat up the roof is probably not an easy feat, right? They dig a hole, not just a hole, but a hole big enough to lower him in front of Jesus, right? And I mean, there's so many rules that are being broken right now. I cringe a little bit when I try and imagine what is going on. And they are taking the risk of their reputation. This is a town where everybody knows everybody, by the way. This is this the word is going to get back to these men's parents, right? Um, they're going to they're going to say some things, right? There are aunties and uncles that might say some things. Young man, I see you up there. You get down right now, right? Like they are risking their reputations they are risking being berated and yelled at by people in their community. They are risking that Jesus himself will berate them and say, who do you think you are cutting in front of everybody else in line so that you can be first, right? They are risking all sorts of things. And yet they're saying, our friend has been sick for a long time and I will get you in front of him today. Now I want to see you healed. And so they do it. They tear open the wall. They lower him in front of Jesus. And Jesus, it says, saw their faith. He saw their faith. Now, I think that most of the time I think of my faith and my walk with Jesus as something that's very internal, invisible, and, and private, right? Like you can't see faith right? Like faith is inside you. Faith is this mysterious thing that I have between me and God, right? In quiet prayers and in, in the, you know, like sanctification and transformation of my heart, right? Like all these things are very invisible. (laughs) They're hidden. They're not displayed for everybody. But what we see here, Jesus says he saw his, their faith. He saw the roof being opened up. He saw the clay falling on people's heads and he called that faith. Do we believe that you can see faith? Do we believe that faith in action is faith, right? Like that faith just, you know, is not meant to necessarily be invisible and hidden. So he sees their faith and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. We don't need to talk about what that man on that mat might be thinking. Like, um, excuse me, um, thank you for forgiving my sins. But as you can see, I can't walk. <laughs> like, That's not why I came here. We don't hear that interaction because what Mark tells us is, oh, and there's another group of people right in here. And there is something invisible happening. They are thinking in their hearts, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are that you can say that his sins are forgiven? No one can say that except God himself. And you are not God. You might be a healer. You might be a teacher, but you are not God. You are blaspheming. You are lying about who God is, right? And who he is by saying that you are basically God. And that can't be true. But they're not saying that out loud, right? They're thinking that in their hearts because they're probably thinking, well, this is not the appropriate thing for me to say right now. I can go ahead and think that in my heart, but I'm not going to display that. I'm not going to put that out there. But Jesus knows what's going on in our hearts. And so he's like, oh, interesting. You think this. And then he engages and he makes public what they want to stay hidden and invisible. And he's like, let's talk about that. What do you think is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, 
get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, you know, we could have conversations about this all day. We're like, it's actually harder to have sins forgiven than to get up, you know, or whatever. But what is easier to say? What is easier to then see and say, oh, well, yes, he did that, right? It is easier to say, get up, pick, or not. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven because no one can see if that actually happened or not, right? Well, sure. You know, like I could say, Anne, you want a million dollars, and no one's going to, you know, no one's able to check her bank account except for her. Right. But he says, your sins are forgiven. And, and then he says, but so that you may know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins, which is the more eternal, the bigger thing. I will do this smaller thing right now that is temporary get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the reason why I say the healing is temporary is because this man is healed from paralysis, but it doesn't mean that he never dies, right? Like all of Jesus healings in, in the scriptures, the physical healing, they're all temporary, right? He raises Lazarus from the dead, but it doesn't mean that he never dies after that, right? He does die at the end. But what he is promising and what we are guaranteed is full and complete healing on the other side of heaven, right? And that is the promise. And that is the guarantee that Jesus is saying to this man. And was, as he says, your sins are forgiven, but it is a total, totally invisible thing. So he says, and okay, well then get up, pick up your mat and walk. And the man does, and it says he does it in the full view of everyone. And everyone praises God saying, whoa, we've never seen anything like that before. Now, why does he heal? When we're talking about Jesus as heal healer, there are four things that are happening. He heals for four reasons. First, it is to authenticate the message and the messenger right? Jesus goes and he heals. He has a healing ministry, but the thing that he cares most about his purpose is to teach, right? He says, my purpose is to go and preach the good news to all the cities, right? And part of that is healing, but the healing actually just comes to authenticate the message and the messenger. The second is that he proves that he had authority to forgive sins. The third is that it shows his compassion and fourth, it shows that salvation starts now. I have this on a slide, but it might not be up. But um, sometimes it's just helpful to see this up, right? He heals because of these things. He shows that, hey, I know that I care about eternity and I want full healing for you on the other side of heaven, but I care very much about what is happening for you right now here on this side of heaven as well. I care that you have whole and fulfilled relationships that are not broken. I care about the chronic pain. I care about the illness. I care about the ways that mental health is a struggle, right? These are the things I have compassion in. I see it and I'm for you. And I am present in that with you. I don't say, well, just wait until you experience full redemption in heaven with God, right? He doesn't say that. And he says, salvation starts now. Now, can you imagine what this healing may, means for this man? To be able to go before Jesus and then suddenly 
move your legs and move your arms. It says he's able to get up. He's able to take up his own mat, the mat that has imprisoned him and been this, been the symbol of this life that he's had to live, right? He can pick up his own mat and he can go home walking this journey for the first time by himself. Can you imagine what that must be like? You know, sometimes we think, oh, if he's told this, of course, he would just jump up and do it. But if I were paralyzed, paralyzed my whole life, and Jesus said to me, get up, pick up your mat and walk. I don't, I might hesitate, right? I might be like, I, one, not sure how to do that, right? Two, not sure if I want to hope in that. Because what if I try and get up and I fall down? The whole town is watching me. My whole identity is the paralytic man. So what you're saying in an instant is that that's no longer your identity. Get up. You can do this, right? That is a risk that he's taking, that he has to choose his own faith in action to be able to do this. And yet he, in that moment, his life is changed. And as a balloon that has been pretty deflated, suddenly is full it's full right and I know that there's more to life it doesn't mean that he's never experienced suffering or disappointment or anything else in his life but for the first time he's like this oh my god this is what I was created for this and he's full But what is going on for the rest of the people who are there? Because a lot of the times when we read scripture, we read it as an individual. We read, Jesus is our personal healer. Jesus has good news for me, right? And Jesus has good news for you. And Jesus has good news for you. But we're not thinking Jesus is a healer of communities. Jesus is a healer of whole families. Jesus is a healer of entire churches, right? And where there is brokenness, Jesus wants to heal that. So as Jesus comes and he heals this paralytic, do you think that he's not thinking about these four men that have risked everything to bring their friend before Jesus? Do you know what it must be like for those four guys to say, I had hoped I had done everything to bring you. I, I tried to convince you that Jesus might heal you, but I wasn't sure if he was going to. And now I get to see my friend's life change forever. Can you imagine their joy? Can you imagine the joy of all the people that have, I've known him my whole life. This has been his identity. And now it's changed in an instant and the joy because of that. So you guys all have balloons. I want you guys to all blow it as full as you can without popping it, right? Right now. And I want you to tie it up. <laughs> and if you don't have a balloon, raise your hand. Hannah has more in the back. 
the truth is that when Jesus heals individuals, he doesn't, this is just a balloon that's filled up. But in a community, that is a full balloon. In a community, then, it becomes joy. A healed community becomes joy, right? A, 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 a community that is healed, that is experiencing healing, it's a celebration. There's no way that we're able to just keep it on our own, right? Whoa, impressive, right? Just go ahead, and throw it up. Go ahead, right? It is no longer just one balloon. It is joy. It is celebration. Jesus, as healer, he longs for that for every community, every family, every town, every community, the world, right? It is meant to be joy for an entire group of people and for our church, right? That is healing. That is wholeness and fulfillment of what God intended, right? That it would lead us to worship, to be like, man, it's the God we follow. It's the God that we profess that we worship. He is that God, right? It never just stays as an individualistic thing. Jesus wants to heal people, not just individuals, but whole churches and whole cities and whole communities, whole neighborhoods. We are created to be whole, fulfilled, and healed. That was God's design from the beginning. But then sin entered in and it marred that reality, right? So while living on this earth, we cannot escape the effects of sin. We will deal with physical illness and we will deal with chronic pain. We will deal with mental illness. We will deal with all these different things of brokenness, of news constantly saying, and here's another mass shooting. Here are lives that were taken. Here are these things that are happening. But God's kingdom purpose continues to make all things new. Amen. And after Christ's second coming, we will experience complete healing. And Jesus says, and I want that healing to start now. We can trust that God wants us to come to him and say, this is what I need healed. Will you heal me? Right. But a lot of times it is that that faith needs to take some action. Right. Because will we unabashedly go to him? Even if we don't know if he will heal. And that's, that's the thing, right? Do we just hope for complete healing in heaven or do we try and ask for healing now, even if we don't know if he will actually heal, even if it means that we might be disappointed, right? And a lot of you guys have prayed for healing for friends, for yourself, and you have been disappointed. You have seen him not heal. There are others of us that have prayed for healing and for our friends and for ourselves, and we've seen Jesus heal right? So why is it that whenever I teach on healing, I get stuck right here, right? That I, I want to say, you guys, even if he might not heal, let's go to him anyway. And I'm like, oh, 
why do you have a hard time saying that? And I think part of it is that I'm the kind of person that's like, I'm not investing time or hope in anything unless it's a sure thing, right? I don't pick up any hobby unless I'm going to be amazing at it, right? It might take a few times, but oh my goodness, like this could be my second career, right? I don't want to choose to do anything that I'm just going to suck at. And I don't want to invest in any relationship where it's not going to be perfect, right? Like this is why I decided I wasn't going to be married for a very long time because I was like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to see what it says about who I am, right? Like if this fails, if it becomes really hard, I don't, I don't know what that will say about me that I might've failed at something, right? So you know, you take a broken person and you marry another broken person and you're expecting a perfect union. Like, how is that possible? Right. That is a recipe for disaster. So like, count me out. No, no, thank you. Right. And then Jesus says, oh, interesting, because sanctification is very closely tied in with healing. And so he's like, well, you know, do you want to be transformed? Do you want to trust me more? Because you know, if, if it was just by your own power and your own will to have one broken and messed up person with a lot of baggage, marry another person with brokenness and a whole lot of baggage, and you're expecting it to work out and it's just all based on you. Well, yeah, absolutely. You're just going to deal with a lot of failure and it's just going to be bad at the end. But would you trust me? Would you believe that I would do a deeper work in you and that I would sanctify you and this person that you choose to commit yourself to at the end and that you would know that I would do something beautiful, not because you're perfect, not because you're amazing, not because you're totally in control, but would you trust me to do that? So I was like, okay, you're right. Like I, I, I need to be sanctified by you. So I got married. Right. And Birch and I both joke about that. We're like, we got married. I mean, we love you. I, we love each other, but really it's because of God's sanctification and our obedience to him. But then I was like, but let's not bring kids into it. Okay. Like this is where I draw the line because you want to see someone real messed up, give them three hours of sleep a night. Right. Like, and let's see how they do. Right. Let's see them on their worst day with no sleep, with a bunch of kids that are do not care about your well-being whatsoever, right? Like, and let's see how well you do, right? It seems like an awful test. I am absolutely going to fail at that. So I was like, no kids. And then Jesus comes, do you not trust that I might transform you and do a deeper work in you? Do you think that, oh, being a parent is about you? <laughs> yes. Would you trust me and surrender to me these things that you're scared of, that it will say something about who you are and allow me to speak life over you and do something beautiful. So I have two kids, you know, and they sanctify me every day. They yes. do. My husband, that is a sanctifying place every single day. It is right. And then I was like, Oh, this is why I struggle with the healing aspect because I don't want to pray unless it's a guarantee. I don't want to put it out there. Do not disappoint me, Jesus. So I will pray vague prayers. Your will be done. Leave me out of it, right? I don't want to say something and then you not do it. And then it says something about me. I didn't pray hard enough. I didn't have enough faith that, you know, I, I 
whatever, right? Like I, I didn't do it right. And I don't want it to say something about you. I like this kind of protected relationship that you and I have because it just feels too fragile to break by putting something like this on it, by saying and expecting that you might do something in this place that I'm scared that you will not because you've disappointed me before. And Jesus said, do you not think that I am for you? Do you not believe that even as you put it out there that I'm not ever going to leave? That even if my answer is no, I will not heal, that that means that I have left the building and I don't care about your friend or your situation or that we can't work through disappointment? Do you think that that's, that, that's what it looks like? And, and do you think that it was about you to begin with, right? Like that it was about how hard you prayed or how many hours you prayed and what position you prayed in and whether or not you had enough faith or any of those things, or do you believe it's about me and my love for you and my desire to make things whole? Is it okay that you might not know all the pieces and, but you can trust and know that I am for you. And so this morning I invite us into a step of sanctification Dom talked about Jesus as savior and Jesus as sanctification. And I think a lot of times when we think about those things of being transformed in our hearts, in our souls, in our character, and being saved again and again and redeemed by Jesus, we think of those as really invisible things, don't we? We think of those things as mysterious things that's happening in our hearts and our souls and nobody sees it, right? But the reality is, we get to walk into these places and take these steps of action that is very visible. We get to stand up and come to the table and confess our need for Jesus. We get to go in the back, which I'm going to make available for us in a little bit, and ask for prayer, right? It is faith in action, and it is not easy, right? It is not easy, but Jesus is inviting each of us into a faith, into faith in action this morning. And I wonder what that would look like for you this morning. A good friend of mine, she was my maid of honor two, two months ago, told me and a few friends that she's diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. She has three young girls. She didn't have any symptoms. She went in for her routine checkup and they found it. And, you know, then the ball goes rolling right? Like she's seen this doctor, she's seen that doctor, she's getting both diagnosis and then oncology telling her what it looks like for the next six months, next year, right? Um, we grew up together, the four of us, right? Like in college, learning how to have faith in Jesus together. Um, I look at this passage and I think, of course, we would be the friends to dig a hole through the roof to get her to Jesus, right? Of course, I would plead on her behalf and say, Jesus, heal her, heal her fully, eradicate the cancer from her body, allow her the radiation and the chemo to do its job and do its work and heal her completely. Would you bring peace in that family, in the fear of those girls as they hear about the news and not know what that means for their mom, right? Like, would you bring wholeness into the places where there is fear, where there's brokenness, right? 
Of course, of course I am going to do that, right? Like I am going to stand in the gap with her. We are, of course, going to fly in. We're all from different cities, fly in and just see her for the morning and say, I am going to stand here physically with you and I'm going to lay hands on you and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to pray for your family and we're going to do this together. Even though we live in different cities, even though we are in our different lives, right? I am going to do that. That's what faith in action is going to look like for me, right? And of course, automatically, I am thinking about that as I look at Mark 2, right? So whether or not you are someone who's like, I need healing today, and will I have enough faith to just go ahead and ask for it, even if it is risky, even if I might be disappointed, will I put myself in a place to say, Jesus, man, I want to believe that you will do it. And I know that you have given me access and possibility for that to happen. And I'm going to go to you. And some of us are invited to be the friends who say, no, I will not stand here and wait. I will not just do the polite thing. I am going to take you and I'm going to go up the roof and I'm going to dig a hole and I'm just going to show up and I'm going to lower you before Jesus. And I'm going to have faith on your behalf, even though you are not able to get to Jesus yourself. Right? Who are we this morning? What is Jesus inviting us into? I think he is inviting all of us into that picture of joy and celebration. I think that that's what wholeness looks like for us. And so this morning, as you come, we are going to be celebrating communion. And so we invite you guys to come up. You guys can take the communion at the table or you can bring it back to your seats. But communion just celebrates that Jesus broke his body and spilled his blood for us on the cross so that we would have access, so that we would have access to salvation in Jesus and sanctification, that we would be transformed again and again, not because of what we've done and what we continue to do, but what he has done and will continue to do in us. But it also gives us access and possibility to healing. And so we get to celebrate that as we come. And the second thing that I'm inviting you to this morning is that there are people um, in, in our community that would love to pray for you, that would love to bring you before Jesus and say, Let's, let's get healed today. And that can be a physical healing. That can be a different kind of healing. Anything that stops you from feeling like my balloon is not full, right? Whatever that is, would you go and get prayer today? And I know that for some of us, that feels so hard to walk out there and put yourself out there and say to another person, can you pray for me? That feels so vulnerable. And I am inviting us into that step of faith this morning. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you are a healer. We thank you that you care both about things that are invisible and eternal and things that are temporary and present now. And Jesus, you long for us to come to you because you want us to trust you and love you as you love us and care for us. And so God, I pray that we would be honest with what we need, that we would take a risk and ask for help and ask for prayer because we know that you are a healer. And even if it means that the answer is no, that we would come to you anyway. 
knowing that it says nothing about who we are and whether or not we're lovely to you, whether or not we're good enough to you, because we know that we are, but because of just things that are bigger than us that we don't see, but we just pray that we would put that in front of you and, and trust that you are for us. Yeah, God, we pray for all the ways that things are broken and not right. And we just pray that you would make us whole. We pray this in your name. Amen.